0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Cinematic Schematic, the official podcast of the TheCinematropolis.com, your home to thoughtful conversations on film and this year's podcast media partner for the Dead Center 2023 Film Festival. I'm your host, Caleb Masters, and today we're taking a look at one of this year's documentaries covering the very pressing challenge related to women's rights in the United States and access to the pill – with the documentary, Plan C. We're gonna kick things off by talking with the director about why right now is the moment for viewers to take note of Plan C's message before talking a little bit more about the process of making the documentary. And then we'll close out the show by learning more about when you can plan to watch Plan C, both at Dead Center, but also beyond. So let's get to the movie. I wouldn't lie to you, they got a pill that you can take after you get pregnant and it will automatically abort the
1: child. At the beginning, it was just trying to make clear that these pills existed, that they were safe, they were effective. Abortion pills are available by mail. It's a thing. And of
0: course people said, you can't do that. That's illegal. There is no longer a federal constitutional right to an abortion. If I can't get an abortion, I'm gonna kill myself. And then she hung up the phone.
1: We all went to the post office just now to drop something off. Sounds like candy and or beads. Go to this website, send money through this portal. My brain went, just go buy black market abortion pills.
0: According to the description from the Dead Center website, Plan C is described as a hidden grassroots organization doggedly fights to expand access to abortion pills across the United States, keeping hope alive during a global pandemic and the fall of Roe v. Wade. Joining me to talk about the film today is the film's director Tracy Dros Tragos. Tracy, welcome to the Cinematic Schematic.
1: Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here.
0: And congratulations on the release of the film. When I was kind of perusing the schedule, I saw this. It caught my eye and looked at some snippets. I uh, was really moved by just the the message you all were putting out there. And uh, congratulations on getting this very timely ma- message out in a very very timely manner.
1: Thank you. Thank you. We felt an urgency.
0: Absolutely. Well, uh, listeners, before we get into today's interview, just wanted to quickly note that if you're listening and you enjoy the podcast, please make sure to support us by subscribing and leaving us a rating and a review on your preferred podcast app. Most importantly, if you're keeping up with all of the Dead Center Film Festival coverage, this is the best way to have all of these exclusive interviews delivered directly to your ears throughout the festival. So let's move on to Plan C. Now, the debate and legislative action related to the abortion pill and women's rights. I don't think this is a mystery or new knowledge or new information for any of our listeners, but this has been an ongoing debate in the United States for decades at this point, if not longer. Tracy, when did you decide, hey, it's time for us to make the Plan C documentary?
1: You know, I I had made a previous film um, about abortion where I was embedded in a clinic just over Missouri state lines, which is my home state in Illinois. And so I witnessed firsthand, this was back in 2014, 2015, the the barriers that people had to overcome to access care. Um, This was right after a 72 hour waiting period had been passed. and, And, you know, there were many, many other restrictions that people had to navigate. And so, you know, I, I made that film um, and 2018 happens and, you know, I'm a filmmaker. I care about what's happening in the world. I'm also a mother of two kids and uh, I care about, you know, the future and, and their world. And I saw that Kavanaugh was appointed to the Supreme Court and there was a lot of, um, uh, you know, protest to his appointment but at that point, once he once he was on the bench, it seemed like the writing was on the wall. So that was the real impetus. Uh, you know, part of me was like, does the world really need another film, kind of quote unquote, about abortion? But this became something more than a film about abortion. This was a film about you know people, ordinary people, uh, coming together before the fall of Roe to. Uh, you know, to, to figure out what folks would do for this time, I suppose, you know, what folks were doing to prepare for Roe being overturned five years before it happened.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you mentioned uh, that was one thing that really stuck out to me about the, the documentary as well is, is the thing I really like about your approach to the the topic is that it's very rooted in very real people's lives, the the day-to-day challenges of women. How did you get plugged in with the, the Plan C organization, or did you identify specific individuals you wanted to follow early on? What did that look like in terms of, hey, I, I know I want to make tell this story. How did you find the people to tell it with? Well,
1: well I would say, just just in response first, is that Ultimately, of course, it is very, very personal <laughs> when you get down to what this all is. And so, you know, I think it's much more personal than, um, you know, most of us would rather be in people's business in, in this area. So, um, you know, I, I think it's less of a political issue, as we're seeing in states like Wisconsin and Kansas. It really is more bipartisan that folks should just have some privacy in this area of their lives. Um, so, but given that, um, it, it, there's still so much stigma and it is hard to, um, gain trust and have people tell their stories and have people share their work. But I think because I'd made a previous film, I had a little bit of maybe street cred that I, you know, my heart was in the right place. I, I, I wasn't intending to throw anyone under the bus, but simply to elevate stories that aren't often told. And I met um, in my research, uh, frankly, I found uh, Francine Coito, one of the founders of an organization called Plan C on LinkedIn, um, A rather random way, but uh,
0: You connected, you you connected, connected. Uh, that's how you you met her.
1: (laughs) I connected and I reached out to her and she must have been on at the same time because she messaged right back and it turned out she lives 20 minutes from me in Los Angeles.
0: Wow, so yeah, small world.
1: Yeah, the other people in the organization aren't LA-based, and so it just happened to be that that she was a neighbor, and so I was able to get together uh, with her for coffee. And I think you know there are those moments when you meet people who are kindred spirits, and that was my meeting with Francine. And so really, the doors were open um, for me, which is a privilege to to capture her ongoing work. And it's really, really. Impressive, and I would say, you know, paradigm shifting work to make abortion pills available by mail, online provisioning to whomever may need them.
0: Yeah, I mean, certainly in this time frame we're in right now, I would say an essential resource for women around the country. Can you elaborate here a little more for me? What was your process? Because uh, we'll get—I want to get into sort of like the methodology behind the storytelling here, but I want to keep it on some of the individuals that you connected with, I, because this takes place over 2018. So you're talking about almost five years that the the story takes place, roughly, with obviously some setup before then. What was your process. Did you like say, Hey, we're going to schedule these meetings. and I'll come film these meetings. Like, Oh, I'm going to follow you around for a week. I just would love to hear your approach to sort of documenting all of these really pivotal events that you cover in the film.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, the approach is, is somewhat inelegant, I would say for an independent filmmaker, because it wasn't also like I got a green light from Netflix that said, okay, you know, <laughs> here's some money and here's some cameras and go do it. But, um, so, you know, I had to make these decisions and calculations myself. And often there, there were a lot of things that came down over the course of this filming where it felt like I cannot not film. So I'm going to put some plane tickets on a credit card and we're going to figure it out and um, and be there. And, you know, moments like when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, moments like when Amy Coney Barrett was then appointed two weeks later to the Supreme Court. When SB8 in Texas came down, um, I mean, there were many, many moments. Um, and for me, it was important to follow as many people as possible in, in different places, because this really isn't the one size does not fit all. So we ended up traveling to 14 states over the course of filming me and my small team of a camera person and sound person. Uh, sometimes it, the camera and sound person were the same. Person, So it was just the two of us, Um, but we would travel around and we included Oklahoma in our travels um, when uh, between the leak and row falling, Oklahoma became the first state um, to outlaw abortion. So we visited two clinics, uh, one in Tulsa and one in Oklahoma City.
0: What was your experience visiting Oklahoma City and Tulsa during that specific time frame?
1: I've made... I've made five films and and feature films and some shorter films. And when you make a film, of course, you shoot much more than what actually ends up in the film. And I would say the time that I spent um, in the two clinics in Oklahoma, some of the saddest, uh, you know, the saddest material, the the saddest for me to experience um, behind the camera in part because you had this this just um, sense of here were people willing to um, make sure that folks had the care that they needed. They had the ability to give folks the care that they needed. You had folks calling on the phone saying they needed this care. What could they do? What could they do? They were going to kill themselves if they couldn't access this, and and they couldn't. You know, they couldn't. Me and so there were folks working in in one of the clinics who were just there, manning the phones for like the final day, um, you know, looking at their resumes, what they might do. They'd done this work, they cared about this work, but they had to move on because they had they had their own families to support, packing up equipment. I mean, it was really um, sad to see and to imagine um, what what was going to, you know, when, when there weren't people behind the phone to even talk them through, um, you know, this sort of sad situation. So, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's heartbreaking to hear that women is, you know, of course, the cinematic schemat- schematic being based in Oklahoma Uh, We're very sad to hear that these are sort of the situations women find themselves in. Were there any like phrases or ideas that you kind of heard consistently? Because I can imagine it has to do a number on your psychology when there actually is medical provisions that you know exist that were legal a few months ago that suddenly are not. What sort of conversations were you having with women or or what was sort of like the state of mind? It sounds like it was pretty sad, but were there any, I'm just kind of curious if that was like a, a frustration that you heard a lot of.
1: Oh, well, certainly, certainly, certainly. I mean, and, and an idea that, you know, I'm trained to do this work, I can do this work. And I'm, I'm suddenly, you know, how can it be illegal when I've been there and held hands and know that, you know, this is, this is the only way for so many, this is the only way that people can afford to, you know, pay for the kids that they have and be able to continue to work and, you know, all of the things that people want to do for their lives or they're in abusive relationships and this is the only way to get out of an abusive relationship. But I think, you know, ultimately the message in this film is that those folks, there there is a workaround and that there are people and the, the phrase that I also learned is something called conscientious provisioning. It's like conscientious project. Uh, objection. So when, you know, there are unjust laws, you know, it doesn't really make sense. Are we a loose federation of nation states? You know, I mean, are are you going to put guards up at all of, you know, the border around Oklahoma? I mean, does that really make sense? Is that where we're living? So the idea that, um, you know, there are folks that will continue to provide care in red states and what that looks like may be different. It may be, you know, ordering online and using a hotline to call and make sure you know guide you through that process, because this medication is is safe. It's on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines. It's approved in ninety countries around the world. It's um, you know but approved by our own FDA. Uh, so you know, there
0: was a there was a scene in the movie. One of the the news clips that you played was actually someone on a call, uh, I think it was with CNN or one of the news networks, actually took the pill on camera, you know, just, just to kind of prove, hey, this is safe, you know. It, it's heartbreaking to hear this is the state in a lot of red states, but on the flip side, uh, there's a lot of amazing work being done by Plan thanks in large part to Plan C, being able to find workarounds, as you put it. One thing I, I wanted to just take a look at here, I mean, uh, this, what I noticed about how you told the story is... It provides a very detailed timeline surrounding women's rights, including the loss of those rights over the last three or so years. When you were planning the documentary, did you always know this was going to be a chronological approach to the the, the story as it was unfolding? Or was it one of those when you're getting to the edit, you're like, no, I think it's more powerful if we see how quickly things shift.
1: Yeah, I think that came in the edit because there was so much along the way that we couldn't possibly anticipate. I mean, it was so hypocritical that right after Ruth Bader Ginsburg died, that Amy Coney Barrett was appointed. I mean, it was just, you know, that two week thing. I mean, that wasn't something that was afforded, you know, in the last administration. So who could have imagined? I mean, also, frankly, we started filming before COVID. So who could have imagined the impact that that would happen or that that would have on telemedicine. So, um, and just, you know, the acceptance of telemedicine. So there was so much that happened that we couldn't have anticipated. So, so no, I mean, I, I also wasn't sure at a certain point, you know, when to stop filming. Um, that was a question. So how, what would be the duration of our timeline? Wasn't really clear, but it, it became clear once the leak happened at that, when we knew that Roe was really going to be overturned that I decided, okay, we're going to film, Roe will be overturned. We're going to film, you know, the gathering of folks afterwards who are planning what's next. And then I'm going to hustle to get this film out the door because it's got not only sort of a historical (laughs) basis of like what happened, but also I hope it's got some hope in it about what we can do now.
0: So what would you say, I mean, this is a, like we were saying, this is such a deeply personal subject for, for women. What would you say was your biggest personal discovery or maybe a couple of your biggest personal discoveries throughout the filmmaking process?
1: Um, I mean, I think ultimately how, how groundbreaking it really is when people realize that there is a simple solution to something that they so desperately need to see the shift, you know, you talked about how it was to film in the Oklahoma clinic, but what a shift it was to meet with people who had ordered these pills online, got them within days of when they needed them, were able to sit with, you know, their partner across a table and, um, and go through the process without, you know, <laughs> passing a gauntlet of protesters, without... Having you know anybody tell them that they were going to hell um, and and just having privacy and dignity um, and so to me, that really was the biggest paradigm shift after the year that I spent making my previous film and seeing how harrowing that could be, and ultimately just a, a really humiliating process for a lot of people riddled with sort of extra layers of stuff that maybe doesn't need to be there. And so when you see, you know, the, the kind of how, how simple it can be, it's, it's, it really is a major, major paradigm shift. And there's so many things you can get, you know, online right now delivered to your door. I mean, I would say, you know, including Viagra or whatever else. And and this is kind of, you know, just like that, something that is available and I hope God willing is, you know, continues to be available.
0: Before we wrap up, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. I mean, the documentary paints a, an oftentimes dire picture of the current state of women's health with a, a beam of hope. Especially the, the towards the end. What can listeners of this uh, this podcast or, and also viewers of the film plan C do to get involved in supporting the organization?
1: Well, you know, you can visit our website, which is plancmovie.com, and we have an impact page. So we have a lot of resources for where folks can go to learn about how to be involved, whether it's politically, individually, um, just in a way within your communities. To let folks know there is an option. I mean, no one involved in this network or movement or even this film is trying to, you know, push somewhere to be w- where they don't want to be. But if folks would like to know more information, that's where it is. And I think, you know, there's a lot of ways for people to be involved at their comfort level, you know, because it's going to take a lot of different lanes for people to. Um, you know, make this or, or allow this to continue to be a reality. We're just going to need to keep the pressure on.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Completely agreed. So people at dead center or any film festival for that matter, they watch plan. C, the documentary as the credits roll. What do you hope the audiences take away from this specific film?
1: Well, number one, I hope that they know that there is an option. You know, there is an option if they need it um, beyond the danger- dangerous and deadly one that, you know, they may think that they have if, if they're in a state that is really restrictive. But also, I hope that people see what's possible when regular people come together, because at the end of the day, that's what this film is about. It's about a grassroots movement. It's about people coming together who aren't politicians and aren't, you know, lawyers, but these are folks who are regular people who have seen an injustice, who have seen a need and are working, you know, to make access possible. So I I hope it can be inspiring for other, you know, other movements and other peoples, because there are, you know, ripple effects, of course, it's not just about abortion, there are a lot of, um, you know, areas where we need to band arms and come together. So (laughs) I hope that's the end of the day is the takeaway is that there will be, um, you know, people realize that that change is possible, and we don't have to rely on our lawmakers for it.
0: Right, right. You, you know, participating uh, and showing up can make a difference.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, Tracy, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you today. Where can listeners follow your work as a filmmaker, but also you already hinted at the website. Is there anywhere else our listeners can follow you and your work online?
1: Well, I have my own website and I have social media, but I think the best place will be following this film because that's really my heart and soul and, and what I'm focused on right now, um, is making sure that this gets out into the world, um, especially, um, next year as well in 2024. So go there. I'll be, you know, traveling around the world with the film and excited for more folks to see it.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, Tracy Tregos, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
0: And listeners, again, Plan C will be playing at the Dead Center Film Festival on Friday, June 9th at 6.15 p.m. at the Harkins Bricktown Auditorium 11 with an encore screening scheduled for Saturday, June 10th at 12 p.m. For all other things Dead Center, you can head to deadcenterfilm.org and you can consider supporting the festival by purchasing a badge or individual ticket for the more than 160 films playing this year. And again, for all of your exclusive coverage at thecentretropolis.com, make sure to subscribe or find us on our website. Thanks so much for joining us, everyone. We'll catch you again next time.